Hello and welcome to this month's podcast on our Nodia on Your Mind report from uh, Nodia Research. I am Johan Tokmea, running the uh, thematics research team, uh, and with me I have friends and colleagues, Marco Kisic, who is uh, in, in charge of our ESG research team, Philip Wrangberg, who works with Marco, and uh, Ebba Rammel, who works both with the ESG team and my thematics team. So we're all friends here. Uh, very welcome to this podcast on our latest Nodia on Your Mind report. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, and the latest report is an ESG-themed Nodia on Your Mind report called The New Green. Uh, pretty exciting title, which could mean many things, but that's partly why we're here to get into, right? Um, in this report, uh, you are writing about how ESG considerations have shifted from very much historically a risk-oriented mindset about what things can go wrong for companies who don't have sustainable business models uh, and how it's moving toward more of an opportunity mindset that there could actually be commercial and business opportunities from sustainable aspects of uh, business. Why don't we start by, uh, maybe Marco, if you could explain a little bit about this shift in attitude out there in the capital markets uh, and, and among corporates, uh, away from the risk side of things towards the, the opportunity side of things. Is, is, what are you seeing right now and, 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 and is it also reflected in how listed companies have performed in the stock markets? Sure. Thanks, uh, thanks Johan, for the question and hello, everyone. Um, yeah, in our latest Nordea on Your Mind, we we kind of focused on a structural trend uh, which we have identified in the market from both markets, investor and corporates, which we have seen over the past, I would say, 12 to 24 months. The attention of ESG from both corporates and investors had been growing progressively and constantly over the past years, but we've really seen something happening over the past couple of years, I would say, which is the fact that we perceive that up to you know, some time ago, the focus has traditionally been very much on the risk management. So seeing climate in particular, which is what we focus on on the report, but ESG more in general, as more kind of a risk mitigation framework, and which is a, you know, a very good tool to do that. Um, but progressively, we've seen that changing and becoming more kind of a focus on what are the opportunities. So... Um, if traditionally this has been, you know, more so the remit of of a limited number of companies that had to focus because of their, you know, intrinsic exposure to environmental risks, on the on the kind of risk potential risk arising from this, progressively this has becoming uh, kind of a more of a, of an existential opportunity for companies, um, and uh, the way we have looked at this uh, in data is that we have uh, focused on on uh, on a sample if we look at the performance of high emitting companies and we've seen that these have consistently underperformed until roughly 2016 and then that's a strategy that has stopped working and so we looked at what strategy has started to work over the past 18 to 24 months and what has emerged very clearly is a very strong outperformance of companies that have a very strong green narrative and are in sectors which are traditionally recognized as being green. Um, and so this, in our view, has very much been kind of a confirmation of this trend from a risk to an opportunity. Um, and it's something that we think it's here to stay. We see this being a structural long-term trend, and we'll you know discuss this more kind of later in, the, in, in, in this webcast. 
and uh, and uh, so we have tried to investigate a little bit more what are the drivers of this and just to ensure that i follow you marco up until about three years ago if you had been an investor and you had invested in companies or rather you had chosen not to invest in companies who had a very bad sustainability profile or environmental performance as you gave as an example that would have been a strategy which would have worked well and given you a good return but about three years ago it would actually have been a more successful investment strategy to look on the positive side of things and find companies to invest in who had a strong sustainability narrative helping society get more sustainable that is right that's right so investors have started to focus more on the companies that are actually able to produce products services processes that will allow us to transition toward a low carbon world as opposed to focusing as much on who are kind of you know the high emitters and the one you know to to kind of to blame for for kind of you know for for the high intensity economy that we are in um, and and at the moment, the market as a first wave has focused on um, has focused on the on the obvious sectors, so yeah. the renewables, the forests, the high efficiency heating. What we are interested in is trying to understand who's going to come next, what's going to be the second wave of uh, our performance, and we think that the market progressively, as it matures and as it become more developed is going to start finding and identifying the company that despite being in sectors which are not as obviously green like renewable, but still are fundamental and key uh, and instrumental in driving the transition to a low carbon economy. Uh, so these are companies, for example, in some in selected material, uh, uh, some selected capital goods companies, which, which are equally important to the renewables and so on, uh, but maybe they're less obvious from, from an outside perspective. And there, with those kinds of companies, it will, on the part of investors, take a little bit more work and effort to really dig into what their business is like and and, and also come to the conclusion that they are also strong contributors to society becoming more sustainable. Absolutely, yeah. It's not as as easy. Um, And the market will need to develop frameworks. Some of them are already out there. For example, the European taxonomy that was recently published but the market will have to learn that process and it's it's a bit more complicated than just picking kind of the high emitters or the or the kind of the laggards yeah. uh, it's a bit more complicated so it will take time but progressively we think that particularly for the ones that are able to move early they're going to be able to grasp a very significant opportunity yeah the effort might be worth it absolutely mm. uh Eva, the the it's pretty obvious to most of us, if you just think about sustainability, that there are pretty strong moral reasons for why you would want to focus on it if you, if you run a company. Um, and, 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 and clearly, also from a purely egoistical point of view, it's in every human being's interest that the world continues to exist. So, so that's kind of the obvious part. But that's not surely the only driving factor behind why you would want to focus on being good at sustainability. Um, Looking at drivers, can you share some thoughts on, 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 on what's making companies focus on this and, and, and integrate sustainability and ESG into their strategy? Yes, absolutely. So we have found two main drivers that we believe will force companies to adopt a more sustainable way of doing business. And the first one is regulation. We have already seen sustainability-related regulations triple over the last 15 years. And these regulations have been directed towards both the corporate and financial sectors. But despite the increasing regulatory pressure, the emissions decline rate of recent years has almost stalled in Europe. 
And uh, the Paris Agreement does not come with a specific regulatory framework attached, but nations have committed to take action through national energy and climate plans. And when comparing current European emissions to the 2030 target of the nation's energy and climate plans in Europe, the current emission decline rate is insufficient to reach the targets. And additionally, the national energy and climate plans are by themselves not enough to reach the Paris Agreement target of keeping the temperature increase well below two degrees. So even if countries would follow the trajectory of their national plans, it would still not be enough to be compliant with the Paris Agreement goals. And as Europe updates its plans to make it Paris compliant, a further policy step up will be required if we uh, want to even just try to reach the two degree target. So we believe a significant regulatory push is still ahead of us and this will be a main driver for corporates to integrate ESG into their strategy. So the second driver is changing consumer preferences. As we explored in the last Nordea on Your Mind report, Managing Millennials, consumers care more about the environment today than they did in the past. And this change is largely driven by millennials. Not only do they think sustainability and climate is more important than previous generations, but they are also more willing to change their own behavior to reduce their impact on the environment. Millennials have a more environmentally aware mindset about consumption, where being efficient in resource usage through sharing is part of the mainstream. And ownership, on the other hand, is ma in many cases considered wasteful and unnecessary. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the uh, June of the On Your Mind report about millennials, Abba. Uh, and, and you and Philip are millennials. And, and I'll turn to you, Philip, and, and in your capacity as a millennial, just <laughs> sort of link to this and, and, and ask you about consumer behavior. We've seen, as we've talked about here now, that sustainability, ESG, has clearly become part of the corporate agenda and become, and, or increasingly is becoming an inherent part of, of corporate strategies out there with strong drivers behind that. Um, and and um, uh, we're also seeing this consumer behavior impact, which companies, of course, have to take into account uh, in, in, in that they all sell to someone. And, and, and if a growing share of the consumers companies sell to, are millennials who care more than previous generations about sustainability and are prepared to change their behavior, who will they buy from? Uh, depending on what sustainability profile the various suppliers have, that's, I suppose, bound to have an impact on, on what you're perceived to be like and, and, and ultimately could affect your demand. Are, are we seeing data? Are we seeing real evidence that this is happening for companies? Uh, yes, I think absolutely, and I think what we've seen in, in general is that companies with ESG credentials or that have been ESG-focused historically have been able to attract uh, significant uh, capital flows or investments in, in recent years, and uh, and because of that, sustainable investing in, in general has gained in popularity and is currently in the process of, of becoming mainstream. Uh, so that is, investors are basically catering to the in increased interest by launching dedicated ESG products or introducing ESG layers into conventional funds, uh, which is actually making the line between conventional funds and sustainable funds increasingly blurred. Uh, if we take Europe as an example, uh, approximately 170 new sustainable funds were launched during the first half of the year, uh, and that can be compared to just uh, over 300 during 2018. And uh, meaning that for so far in 2019, assets have reached about nearly 600 uh, billion euros. And, and this isn't just a European phenomenon either. Uh, globally, the first half of 2019 saw 
about 70 billion uh, US dollars of inflows, which is uh, about the same as all of 2018, so all of the previous year. And we uh, expect that these flows uh, are going to continue and even accelerate. And that uh, as ESG takes a hold, a stronger hold of the market, uh, we see that this will be further integrated into different investment practices. Um, and if we go past funds, the same, the same uh, trends and dynamics can be seen in, in green bond issuances as well, where between 2018 and 2016, issuance was up about 50%. And uh, 2019 is looking to be a, to be a record year as well. Uh, so, and even here with green bonds, it's not limited to just Europe, but it's a growth that's visible around the globe uh, in lots of different economies and, and especially Asia, actually. Uh, and if we just take a, a, a slight diversion and look at direct investments as well, um, we can see that it it's has, has had a similar picture, but it's not as, uh, as strong as in secondary markets. So global investments in, in green technology specifically have a sort of flatlined over the past about four or five years, um, where before that they actually experienced continuous growth for about a decade and nearly 15 years. Um, but between 2018 and 2017, direct investments in these different green technologies, such as solar and wind and hydro, were down 8%. Uh, and this is largely due to falling uh, renewable costs and, and with withdrawn subsidies for solar projects, in particularly China. Uh, and if we just look at which green tech has been popular and which ones will be more popular in the future, uh, solar has attracted the majority of investments, uh, which has been closely followed by wind. But nowadays, in the future, some of the most uh, interesting, smart, uh, interesting renewable energy technologies include maybe digital energy, uh, smart grids, power storage, hydrogen, uh, fuel cells, and other types of advanced transportation or other types of ed uh, energy efficiency components. Um, so in general, ESG is gaining popularity in, in, in funds, in, uh, in, in bonds, and as well, eventually, as well in uh, direct investments in different green tech technologies. Mm. So becoming mainstream both for capital and funding and also for demand for corporates. Absolutely. If we try and wrap this up, and I turn back to you, Marco, uh, it, it's pretty clear that there are strong drivers towards sustainability that are affecting corporates. But if, if you're part of a large corporate leadership, how, how would you say we should phrase a message to corporate leadership out there in, in, in how they should respond to all this uh, e either if you're a corporate and you are thinking about or, or you're already involved in looking to ensure that your business is sustainable or perhaps even more interestingly if you're a corporate and you're not yet quite convinced is this something that i need to get involved with or can i stay on the sidelines and maybe see this as a sort of peripheral phenomenon that might never really come of age what, what, what would you say to that absolutely so as we have seen, kind of, we discussed this transition happening. We think that ESG is morphing from being something for a relatively limited number of companies and for everyone else, you know, it could have been a relatively academic exercise to becoming something which is very core, very strategic, um, and that has to do with the, you know, with the pure competitiveness of a company. Um, in fact, because of the structural trends, of the regulatory trends, of the consumer trends, uh, of how the market is looking at this, um, the companies that are not able to bring sustainability at the core of their agenda are running a very, very high risk of being left behind and becoming uncompetitive and irrelevant for the market. 
Um, now, climate change and sustainability is a is a you know has long generally long time horizons, but still we think that it's very important that companies start acting now. Um, we have looked in our report. We looked at a couple of case studies of companies where just a delay of 24 months or 24 to 36 months was sufficient to um, you know to drive a significant loss of market share for that company could drive career risk for top management or in the most extreme cases even business failure so we think it's something very very relevant that companies start thinking now and that they make it you know uh, they integrate it at the core of the of their strategic agenda very interesting. Thank you all very much for a great conversation. Um, and I will close the podcast by just highlighting that the next Nodi on Your Mind report, uh, which we will release in October, will be uh, about uh, financial targets. What financial targets have Nordic listed companies been working with since 2007 before the global financial crisis? How have they succeeded in delivering on those targets and, 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 and do the outcomes affect how they are perceived and valued and how they've performed? So we will be back with that next month. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.